Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. Today's guest is a former civil engineer, now turned therapist. We have Tyrus McCoy. Her specialties are family conflict, marital and premarital, and she also focuses on life transitions. Today, Tyrus McCoy and I, we discuss why the best relationships are between a visionary and an administrator, how to be consistently reciprocal, how to walk in your purpose. What do we do when we feel unworthy or like a burden? We also discuss how to not feel alone, and we discuss so much more. If you like this episode, please share it, rate it five stars. Uh, and once again, if you're dealing with tragedies, traumas, or transitions, go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. And with that said, let's jump into the episode. But Tyrese, I'm excited to have you on as a relationship expert. How long have you been doing it? all my life but um (laughs) (laughs) you know so officially in private practice since 2012 I began doing counseling in 2009 um but in private practice since 2012 and what's been your specialty with this like what what's been the evolution and and where are you at now you you know I, I get that question a lot Ultimately, at the core, uh, my specialty is helping people in the search for purpose, and and that can that can be in any arena. Um, I help couples to solidify their mission together and being able to move forward together in solidarity and unity. People to solidify, you know, who they are, identity. And, and why they're here and what it is they're they're to do, um, even in innovation with organizations. So. Uh, I find that to be my core. I love working with couples. Love it. So I I, I love that you said solidify their mission together because mm-hmm. uh, I you know in a relationship I'm in now, one of the things that uh, uh, came up recently, you know, because of the quarantine, she was like, you know, if I ever get fat, you know, you let me know. And I was like, listen, I'm not worried about your weight. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not why we together. That's not, that's not the mission. It's, it's cause I feel a sense of, uh, purpose and growth. And I feel uh, like you, you know, like you make me want to be a better person. And I feel like we're, we're growing together. And it's like, as long as I have that feeling, like, I mean, I know that kind of waxes and wanes, but if that's the mm-hmm. overall vibe, then I, I, we can navigate anything else, you know, but, um, so you're right. Like having that sense of mission, it allows you to hone in on what's important and to let go of the things that that don't matter. How do you help couples uh, solidify their mission or even find it, find their purpose? You know, one of the uh, areas that I start with, because usually they're not coming to me for that. <laughs> they're coming oftentimes to work on communication issues. So I help them to um, take a step back and to see their partner uh, beyond the conflict. So beyond the back and forth uh, and step back and look and see the person before them with their gifts, their strengths, their abilities, and how they complement or run parallel to, to their own. So in that process, now we can see, or the couple, they can see each other as teammates they can see the other person that they're with that they're having communication issues um, in a different light. Because usually they're not even thinking about how we can tackle life together. You know, people get together oftentimes for companionship. Most of the time, I eat maybe all of the time um, (laughs) for companionship, for togetherness, to feel accepted and loved. But they don't always necessarily get together to, to not just do life together, but to live purposely in life together. Um, but once a couple can see, you know, maybe maybe one is a high, high visionary, 
very strong in vision and the other one isn't as strong in vision, that other one is more strong in administration. And so they butt heads. The visionary is often dreaming and thinking of things to do, but doesn't have as as great follow through. And the one strong in vision um, administration is, is usually like, no, we're looking at this budget. We're looking at these numbers. Uh, I need to see results. And while they're living lives together, but parallel, almost like a parallel play, they're not coming together and actually saying, how can I bring what I have to our table? You bring what you have to our table. We can put it together and work together as a unit. So now the visionary is the vision for the family. The administrator has the uh, wherewithal to get them there. While they're working on one one accord, they can actually reach many goals. Tyrese, you just made me get up out of my chair. You just made me push all the things to the side. You understand what I'm saying? I'm about to take my shirt off. I'm so excited about what you just said. I need to go hop in the pool and swim a thousand laps right now because you're speaking to my relationship. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm the visionary. She's the administrator. Mm -hmm. And... I am always uh, 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 bothered by the administrative stuff that sometimes I have to, to, you know, like, because we're we're working, we're doing things together. So, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like I need you to send out this email, I need you to blah, blah, blah. But what keeps me grounded is that I remind myself that those are, these are our roles. And sometimes there's going to be an overlap. And I, you know, and so I have to. Uh, it's part of it. Like you can't, you can't be a hundred percent visionary and a hundred percent administrative. There's going to be some overlap in duties and things like that. So w- when you said that, I I love that you broke it down as as visionary and administrative. And and I think that a lot of couples uh, don't think about in terms of that. We just think like, is she the one? Is she you know like what you think about in terms of the one and not in terms of the role? I guess is the 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 uh, other way to look at that. Yeah, you know, you know, Leo. When you said that, what came to mind is moving from the place of what you can receive to the space of being consistently reciprocal. Right? Ooh, say that again, please. Often we we want to know what can you give to me. Are you the one? But I move from the place when I can move from the place of looking for what I can receive and into a space of being consistently reciprocal. We can do many, many, many things together. And and now and now you can get into the place if you're with someone that actually has your best interests at heart and vice versa. Well, you can get to the place that we're taught to to be as therapists. You know that unconditional positive regard? Oh, yeah. Most people don't have that in relationships because our defense mechanisms are on 100 or maybe 75 on a good day. But if we could actually view the person in front of us as someone who has our unconditional positive regard and we theirs, Um, And the only way you know that is if you really sit and have the time to intentionally move in that direction, you can actually flow in consistent reciprocity. Okay. Okay. So I want to do two things. I want to break down um, how you help them uh, establish the, the visionary and the administrator and then I also want to talk about what happens if two visionaries just happen to be together, two administrators happen to be together, and, and mm-hmm. how do we navigate through that? Okay. So some of this is a function of, of the, the gift set and the skill set that I have. Um, when, I, when I work with a person, when I'm talking to them, sometimes when I just meet a person, I have a knowing of their their gifts, their abilities, their strengths. Um, for me, and what I believe is is my is one of my spiritual gifts. I have no other reason to to dictate it. Like uh, like our our what I said there was specifically for you and your relationship. It wasn't an arbitrary um, example, right? 
So some of that knowing I have is because of the knowing that I have. Um, But outside of that, if I were talking to a person or, or helping someone that didn't necessarily just have this innate knowing when they see a person. Um, Strengths, uh, inventories are good, uh, but usually in talking to a person and seeing how they interact and how they view the world, you can see it. You can see a a mind that's very uh, numbers bent or full of a more linear in nature and not necessarily because it can't be cyclical. It can't be creative, but it, it likes to rest in the, in the linear and the, in the logic. And then you can see the person, even if they speak the language of an administrator, but you see them going into their dream space. You see, even while they're talking <laughs> to you, um, you, you feel um, maybe their, their sense of, wonder about life and it, and it takes being able to look at the broader scape of things to maintain wonder and awe about life so really attending to the characteristics that are presenting before me and even asking questions you know how do you normally normally handle situations like this when you get upset uh, when you feel angry, when you feel sad, when you feel lonely, um, what do you do when you feel excited, when you are hopeful and uh, when you are, you know, dreaming about something, when you have a plan. So having these conversations, I generally hear it in the the process and the content and all the data that the the, the couples or the, my client is giving to me. So I'll see it and then I'll bring it out, you know. I also do this. Hey, before you got hurt, what did you want to do in life? Who did you want to be? Before the pain, what did you want to bring to the earth? And you know, kids are like they were like, "Hey, I wanted to be a fireman or what have you." But why, you know? And when we when we boil it down to a kind of least common denominator, you can see the person's. Um, overarching desire and what they would like to to give to the earth give to people who they would like to be and how they would like to interact and then looking at that if you were if I'm working with a couple looking at that side by side and seeing if this is complementary or not um now that's the discovery portion or just some of my discovery um now how do how do I get them to this place Sometimes I will just straight up disrupt um, the what I call the the branches of what they're presenting to me because they come in and they have like probably like three specific arguments and three specific maybe situations uh, that they want to talk about. And, I, you know, I listen to them so they definitely feel heard, talk to them about it. You know, so they don't feel like the therapist just decided not to pay attention to what I was bringing to her and wanted to whole disrupt the thing of the things of my life and try to reset us. But you know, I, I let them I let them be heard definitely. But generally, I find it to be an issue of mission and vision. So, um, depending on what's presenting and the, uh, how volatile it is, if it's not too bad, I will talk about it and then I'll ask them. What do you? What are some strengths that you see in your partner? What are some strengths you see in your spouse? Sometimes I'll even do a visualization exercise with them, where where I'll have them get as comfortable as they can, close their eyes, and I'll walk them through a process of of them actually seeing the person, and they usually open their eyes in amazement and what they see, um, beyond the pain when they can brush and, and wipe away the pain as if they're um, doing an excavation of some treasure. It's, it's amazing. And now once you, once you see it, you can't unsee it. <laughs> you can't unsee it, but you can try to, you can cover it up with your pain. So then I'll have them do exercises together to write uh, their mission and their vision. I, I like to have them write it separately and then come together and, and bring what they wrote separately together because sometimes there may be a more dominant partner um, in, in the relationship. So I, I want both parties to be heard 
So if you both have it written down already, not in your mind, you can come to the table with what you have and then um, work together and compromise either at home or in our sessions. Usually they do it at home and they come to session all beaming because now, you know, they have a mission and a vision for for their life Um, and, and it can be editable all throughout their lives. Now, when I'm working with couples who are very, they're they're less complimentary and I say they kind of run more parallel with them, I I help them to see the, the value in each other because a lot of times, you know, they're looking at a mirror. So if I have two administrators together or two visionaries together, two creatives together, um, to uh, relaxers, to very exuberant um, life lives at the party, you know, I help them to to see usually their their frustrations with their partners. Sometimes a a really um, clear mirror to their own their own areas of improvement within themselves, and so we'll work on that all together, and then see how they can partner and work through life. And any area where they need to grow and, you know, maybe with uh, financial management, finishing whatever they start, being able to see vision, um, maybe we work on that in session. I help them and, and encourage them to to connect with someone else. And then I also help them to get the tools so that they can um, build it within themselves. You know, self-development is is important wow um i i'm like man i wish i had talked to you uh when i was at, at 21 or something you would have saved all my all my relationships uh i mean I'm, I'm i'm very happy with who i am right now with uh but what, what you're saying is 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 something that um i i've just discovered that uh you know i did the strength finders i mean just to just to tag on to what you're saying is I did that strength finders uh, 2.0 and it, it labeled me as a missionary or a visionary. And it said, mm-hmm. I need to find a, a executor, somebody who, who can get the things done that, that I'm envisioning. And, and ever since I read that, you know, and, and, and you know, that's who I found in my, in my girlfriend. And, uh, mm-hmm. but it, yeah, it definitely gave me a blueprint as to, and, and it also gave me a, uh, an idea as to why some of the relationships in the past didn't work or I was like, it, it, like it, it, they were good, but I, they didn't feel great. You know, it's like you said, we were running parallel to each other instead of to, uh, having a shared mission and, and vision. Uh, I have two questions for you. One is uh, you're saying mission and vision. What's the difference between those two? And then the other question is um, how, how does someone who is uh, a visionary uh, handle sadness or handle emotions or, or express how they handle it versus someone who's more of an administrator? You know, um, with both, it's like, who, who are we? What do we want to do? And how we're going to get there? Who are we? What do we want to do and how we get there? I don't necessarily, some couples, so I have some entrepreneurs, We I have them do a very specific mission and vision statement. Um, but but for, for the rest of them, I'm like, who are you? What do you want to do and how you get there? So, so our vision, you know, not our vision, or the vision that I have, I, I have them look at is kind of, what they, um, how they, how they perceive or how, how they want to show up in the world as a couple of what they want to give to the world. And, and I see the mission is how they're getting there. And I might be mixing these bad boys up actually. So I'm actually doing a little check, check, check. Yeah. The mission divide, the defining what they're doing and, and, and their desired future. I like to have how you're going to get there. For all of them, actually. Um, now, to answer your second question, can you can you give me your, uh, the other question, the second question, please? The second question is earlier you, you talked about um, you to figure out um, 
who was a, a administrator, who was a visionary, you like to listen to how they handle uh, their emotions, yes. how they handle the sadness and the grief or the anger, the excitement. And, and I was wondering like how that shows up differently for each one of those. Okay. So, uh, I guess, okay. I will go with, for now, I'll start with the, um, the administrator or like you called it, you said an exit, the execution, ex executioner, excuse me, from oh, Shimfinas. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. It said, uh, executioner, you know, somebody who just yes. get, gets yes. things done. They got a checklist, check, 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 done. Exactly. Now, so, so for your administrator, your executioner, that's the person that needs to have everything kind of in order. They like control. Most of us do anyway. It's just the way that they like to see it. Um, and, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but when anxiety, fear, sadness, and even, um, trauma can come, uh, that gift can go into overdrive because it becomes, uh, not only their means to get things done, but it becomes their way of protecting themselves. So they surround themselves with systems. They surround themselves with systems, um, because it, it seems safe. Also, you'll see on the other end, though they may surround themselves with systems, they can get caught up in perfectionism, procrastination, which causes them to to kind of spiral down and in, in, into a space of of feeling like they're they're not accomplished, they're not meeting their goals, um, and and that becomes this self uh, feeding loop. So, um, so with them, I like to kind of help them to see where they are, to, to pinpoint the, the areas where, where they've kind of gotten to a place of feeling like life can't be, uh, they can't see the outcomes of life, help them to get to a space of acceptance, help them to get to a space of, of, of being able to rest in the unknown doing what they can do, you know, the whole serenity prayer, doing what they can do, but also acknowledging what they they don't have any control over. Usually that helps to pivot that person into a greater measure of, of inner peace where they can accept and hold on to the inner peace that's available for them. Um, for those administrators, another thing that I usually have to walk them into is a space of forgiveness, of forgiveness. They keep many records of wrongs, even if they don't want to. This is how their brain is made up. They're, they're, they're good with lists, or lists help them to um, to flow a little bit uh, better, to help them organize their thoughts. So I'll, I'll walk them through the process, processes of forgiveness. And usually some, some will say, you know, I don't have a problem with forgiving. And... Um, you know, one of the main reasons that we're there is because every time or many times their partner is trying to do something, they're telling their partner what they haven't done right and giving them the reasons why not. And and so that's what I help them to see is like, well, when you see your partner, do you see who they are or do you see what they aren't able to do or have not done? That helps them to see, you know, yeah, maybe I need to to get this forgiveness thing going on. And uh, work on work on forgiveness of others, and also forgiveness of self. So, forgiveness of self for not meeting the goals, checking to see if those goals were ever really um, realistic, or were they the goals that were dreamed up by your middle school, high school self before you knew anything about life? Many times, a lot of us are feeling sent a sense of unworthiness and a lack of accomplishment because of life goals that we made up before we were 20. And, you know, these expectations that we allowed ourselves to pick up and hold and carry with us. So helping them to see that and then allowing them or helping them to allow their partner who may have access to their soft spaces uh, and, and, and is able to provide comfort, allow their partner in. Open the doors. Let the person that you, you're choosing to do life with in to the space of vulnerability. For the visionaries, 
have found that when they are sad, they, they have difficulty operating in creativity. Depending on who they are and what they do, they may get into a space of, of putting on a mask, um, of having the face that everything is together, um, and then inwardly kind of feel like the color of their world has been turned down. So with them, I, I, I have them do more uh, creative exercises outside of, outside of the specific vein of what we're talking about. So get more music in your life. Get more movement going. Uh, if you enjoy art, get some more of that into you. Get some more um, that that uh, inspiration going. Also, um, letting helping their remember going back to that mission and vision statement. Allowing their their partner into the space to help to push them, but not in a hard harsh way. Um, because because. A lot of times I'm talking to couples about giving your partner permission, giving your partner permission to check you, giving your partner permission to remind you of what you said, giving your partner permission to um, remind you of who you said you were or who you are. Sometimes it's, it's not like the, the, the situations of life hit us upside the head for a minute and we forget. We forget that we are strong lovers. We forget that we believe in the goodness of people. We forget that we are strong finishers. We forget. And we just need somebody to shake us a little bit and remind us who we are. So your partner, your support system, give them permission um, to infiltrate the boundary uh, when, you're, when you have gone to lick your wounds so that you can come out. Also, for some visionaries, they, they are the exact opposite. They do not put a mask on until they show the world their wounds. They bleed out on the world um, because they were like, look, I, I, I used to see and now I feel blind. Um, for, for that person, um, I would also, not so much as an inverse, but in the same vein, encourage them to receive actual help. Because as opposed to feeling like a consistently bleeding wound, um, to give their selves permission to heal and let the healing be validation of the actual pain. You don't have to bleed out to make your pain real. Um, it's real already. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's how I work with like those those two types since we're talking about those types. Um for those who are, you know, uh, more of like the social light, that person that is supposed to be networking, hobnobbing, those are the people who are called to do to to do great things because of the networks that they they build and they create, and and sometimes they're with the homebody, the quiet, stable. Uh, a person, the networker is probably stable as well, but they're with the person that becomes like, like they're, they're ground and it's a good thing because the two of them can kind of balance each other out for, for that one. Um, where we're talking about, um, instead of going and continuing in your normal vein of reaching out to people, hobnobbing and networking and connecting with folks, um, and building, not just to, to get or to climb, but just because it's what you love, I would say focus on quality. So the folks that actually like your, your, your inner circle, the people that you've actually allowed in, um, increase that time with your inner circle so that you can not only um, operate in the outward expression of your love, but also feel uh, filled up with the inner expression of your love. Um, and for the more uh, grounded, uh, stable one uh, who who is more concrete in their thinking, it's like, look, no, I'm a, I'm a just, I'm going to go to my, my job. I'm going to do what I need to do and I'm going to rest. I don't need an, uh, a, a quote unquote big life. I like a, a life that's simple, that's stable, that I have my people. Though they are extremely important to, to the flow of life. For those, I find that they become um, not, not like ground, like earth, but they become like stone. 
and and there's no movement um and their sadness can show up in a space of um stagnation so so for them it's a it's allow it's allows some movement of course with all of these uh different clients we're 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 digging in looking at family of origin getting insight working on um healing some of those inner wounds we're paying attention to uh vows that were made and uh signature themes we're looking at um some bitterroot judgments that they made uh towards other people like these are some of the things that we're doing along the way but something you know usually the areas that I, I see some of my clients fit in and even myself, you know, um, that's how I'll work with them. When you said signature themes, uh, mm-hmm. what are some of those signature themes that, that seem to pop up? So, so a signature theme can be uh, a narrative. Well, I look at a signature theme as something that can be a narrative um, about the world around you, about interactions. Um, the world, the world is um, is a hard, cool place, uh, a hard, a cold place. Uh, people are, are not trustworthy. Um, people do not want to hear my voice. I'm silenced. I am important. Um, People need to hear me. Uh, they may try to marginalize you, but it won't happen to me. Um, the world is an inherently good place. People are inherently good. Uh, I, I am, I am loved and will give love. You know, so it's kind of it's the way that we look at at the world, ourselves, and others. Tyrese, how did you? How did you get to this place? Like, what what led you down this path, this career? Why why did this become your mission to uh, help couples, uh, you know, go from being parallel to connecting? I mean, Leo, how much time we have? You want the short or the (laughs) short? So, go ahead. I was I was born into this is. I was I was the person that that I am now is a is a more mature version of who I, I I've always been at my core. But I had to go through years of shedding uh, hardness that I put on my own self. And for me, God God took me through that journey. I was not I'm not able to do anything I do without the Lord, and so I'm very thankful uh, for that. Now I think I might have shared with you that I, I am an engineer as well. I'm a civil engineer. And I, I did construction management for some years. Um, so uh, an undergrad at, at Fair Morgan State University uh, in Baltimore, I, um, I went there for civil engineering. Uh, I wanted to be an artist. Parents were like, you're good at math and science, go be an engineer. I went kicking and screaming until I found out how much engineers made. And then I, I, was, I was for it. Um, and and I, I'll tell you the story, no holds bar. My sophomore year, walking across campus, I heard very clearly switch to psychology. I knew it was God talking to me. And I laughed and literally said out loud, no, I'm about to go make this money. This is literally what I said. Um, and I continued and got my um, engineering degree. During that time, like when I was in undergrad, my... Uh, like if I was reading a book, it was it was like a master's level psychology book, something that I even read like when I was getting my master's degree. It was the kind of food that I like to eat. I don't understand why it does not run in my family. Um, it was just what I was interested in. I liked the book Sybil when I was young. My mom, my mom had to, I guess, read Sybil for a college. And so it was when I bookshelf, I thought of it first, like a little like a very twisted fairy tale but I'm like looking at why the people acted the way they did and why they my mind was always like how do people and things work I want to I want to take it apart look at the insides figure it out put it back together I did that with all things um and when I interacted with people um I had a, a knack of being able to see their insides and how they how they ticked um, so I could help them to to be put back together. While I was getting my undergrad degree, people would always come to me for advice. Be sitting outside having couples cu- with couples. I, I'll, I'll never forget. I was outside with one of my besties and her then boyfriend sitting on the bleachers till like three in the morning, 
helping them with their relationship. <laughs> like we were specifically out there talking about their issues and how they could get past all the stuff and helping them hear each other better and all this. I, I don't know. So, um, went and I graduated, uh, went and worked for a large construction management firm and slowly I would, I would have desires to, to actually have a private practice, which is random. I did not, it wasn't random, but I, I didn't go to, I didn't, I didn't take a psychology class in undergrad. So, you know, that happened. My heart started to open and open and open towards it. And I'm like, well, how am I going to do this and still maintain the direction that I'm on, you know, in this corporate space? So I'm like, okay, my company won't pay for me to become a therapist. Maybe they'll pay for me to become an uh, industrial organizational um, therapist. So I started talking to them about that because the company I worked with were very high in training. Um, and so they were like, yeah, maybe Ty, just show me how you, you'll get it together and what you intend on doing. And, and we'll look at it. I don't know if that was real or if that was, you know, just what they say to kind of appease me. I'm not sure because I didn't get a chance to find out. Uh, I got laid off during the recession and uh, I looked for work for about six months from Northern New Jersey to DC, found nothing. I had every intention to go to this, the physical offices, you know, and, and sit and, and until somebody could meet with me. Cause I'm like, I'm about to get a job. Like you're not going to have me out here not with no job. And, um, it's like, I woke up that morning about to put my gray suit on. And it was during that time they had that commercial where it was almost like people got hit in the head and said, dope should have had a V8. That's literally what I felt. And it was like, oh, I can go back to school to become a therapist. Why I thought that I, in my natural mind, I don't know, except for me, um, lining up with the plan that God had for my life. And I uh, started to apply for schools and, and I, you know, got very swift responses from schools and they basically said, no, I had no psychology background at all. <laughs> and I was applying for master's programs. Um, a friend reached out to me to, to help him out with his, um, to help him out to get um, into a school. And he told me the program and I'm like, why didn't you let me know? I was looking for programs like this. He said, come to an open house. They're having in a few days. Uh, I went to the open house. The director, uh, without seeing my transcript, told me I'm in, just sent all the paperwork. And before, before the fall semester begins, I would have to have taken two prerequisites. It, it, it's very unfounded. Like, I mean, not unfounded. It's, it's just, the, the story is like, I'm like, what? She She's like, yeah, kid. She called me kid. She's like, you're in, kid. Just make sure you get all, all your paperwork in and get these two prerequisites done. I had just enough time to do one summer session at the community college. I was supposed to take two prerequisites that were, one was a prerequisite of the other. The woman gave me favor and let me take the two classes simultaneously. I took them both, aced them both, um, and then was able to send that that transcript over to Rosemont College and began my um, and began my my master's training in, in counseling psychology, and I also I began because I I felt like I was behind the curve, so I started to look for an independent um, an independent uh, internship. I found an independent internship because they weren't gonna we weren't gonna start our internships until the second year. Um, and I, and I began like the, the first day of class was my first day of my internship as an intensive outpatient group therapist. And so, so that's kind of how I started my career. And, uh, fast forward, I cold emailed, um, cause I'm like, look, I feel like I'm behind the ball, like four, four years behind the ball or so, because I should have done what I was supposed to do in the first place. Um, so I really you know, want to get all the help I can. I always knew I never, I always knew I wanted private practice and grow into a group practice and, and a few other things. So I reached out to African-American women who were doing the same thing that I did. One of the women said no. And another woman took, the other woman took three weeks to get back to me when she finally got back to me. And I, I said, look, I'm willing to work for free to learn for free. I just, I just want to work for work with and learn from someone that's doing something that I want to do. And that woman became my mentor. She took me under her wing. She taught me 
everything she knew about private practice, about being a clinician, about doing speaking engagements. Um, she connected me with her academic uh, network um, and introduced me to systemic therapy. And so then I went to, I went from Rosemont, that's very uh, cognitive behavioral based and uh, psycho it was a psychology based, so it's linear, to uh, Drexel. Uh, for my postmasters uh, in uh, uh, couple and family therapy, I think it started out as marriage, and then they shifted it to couple and family therapy during the time. And so I got po uh, postmasters training there at Drexel University, um, and it was awesome for me. And since then, since since I graduated, I've been doing the work. What a great story, uh, and what an inspiration mm -hmm. to people who are especially during this time who may have to pivot and, mm -hmm. and, and go into a new job, you know, a after something like uh, the, the, this quarantine or, you know, when we look at the history of, of plagues and, and, and uh, depressions, great depression, things like that, where a lot of people have lost their jobs, uh, unemployment skyrockets. There's a, there's a huge increase in uh, divorce. And yeah. I, I guess two questions is it that the, the things like the quarantine and, and these huge, are, are they causing the divorce? Are they revealing something deeper? One. And then the second question is uh, suicide rate spike, because a lot of people identify themselves with what they do. Um, and when they lose that, that, that identity and they, their relationships and they kind of lose a sense of themselves. Can we uh, kind of talk to both of those? Yeah. So I, I believe it's a both and um, sometimes uh, highly stressful uh, situations such as what we're going through now um, will, well, they will always, they will always reveal. But then sometimes, honestly, it causes. It reveals maybe the person's ability to deal with high stress uh, situations. But in, in what we will call a quote unquote normal span of lifetime, you don't usually have a pandemic. Right. It's not we don't usually have pandemics. So you don't necessarily have to worry about a pandemic type um, stressor uh, coming on a person and them them choosing to to leave a relationship or, you know, feel like this isn't something that they 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 want to continue with because the stress is too high around them in them and within the relationship. I, I also strongly believe, like I said earlier, it reveals what's there. It reveals um, the, the lack of communication. It reveals the unforgiveness. It reveals the contempt. It reveals the stonewalling. It reveals the lack of safety. Um, and, it, and, and if you, you look at it as just shining a light on something, I feel like we miss it. Um, because anything that I can now see more clearly, I have the greater opportunity to work on it. So to even segue into the second portion of your question, lean into, lean into uh, developing the areas that you find deficits, lean into um, if you feel like, you know what, who am I without all of this? Or if I can't do this, if I can't perform at the level that I'm expected to perform or I, I expect myself to perform, who am I? Lean into that question. Who am I? Not in relation to what you can do, what you can give, this transactional um, way of interacting with, with each other, but literally who, who are you? What are your likes? What are your dislikes uh, outside of your performance? What are you interested in? We have at our fingertips the information of ages. So so we can take strength finders, um, inventories, discounts profiles. I really love the disc uh, profiles for some Myers-Briggs um, and, and spiritual gifts inventories. Um, and you can take that and you can look and, and it can also help when you take some of these inventories. What I like about them is it gets past our feelings of inadequacy and a lack of ability uh, to, pr to produce, perform, or to be what we think or other people think we should be. Um, and it helps you to see more about yourself. 
even though you asked the question about dealing with the stress and how it has affected people's uh, a feeling of whether or not they want to continue to live, honestly, Leo, I really, I, I really boil most of the work I do down to identity. I really do. When I'm working with someone uh, with grief, identity, who am I now that this person is no longer in my life? Because if I have a, a strong sense of who I am, when life shifts, I, I don't have to, my identity doesn't shift. I just now need to cope with the shifting of life. And and what I find that when um, when there, there seems to be a crumbling and a falling and saying, you know what, I don't know if I can do this anymore, if I want to do this anymore. It's, it's because the I feels very small. It doesn't seem like a, a good capital I and, and a knowing of this is who I am and then purpose. This is why I'm here. Wow. I like that capital I versus small I. Um, I, I resonate with that. I find myself going back and forth all the time uh, between feeling like those two things. And, and, and there are moments where like, I feel like a capital I and I, I'm actually, it, it terrifies me because I mm. know that, that that feeling is not sustainable. Whatever, whatever the accumulation of, of events and thoughts and emotions and behavior that led up to that feeling like the, the capital I, I know it's somewhere around the corner, the small eyes, or I just feel like it's right around the corner. And so I immediately try to humble myself. Maybe it's a false humility sometimes. Um, mm. But, 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 uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm always aware of the, the swinging back and forth. Um, <laughs> talking about small eye versus uh, capital I, um, I, I want to lead that into uh, feelings of, of loneliness and, mm. Um, you know, cause you could be in a relationship, you can be in a marriage, you can be with somebody for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years and still feel lonely. What, what's usually the, the source of that feeling of, of, of loneliness or disconnection? You know, <sighs> a big part of, and this is I honestly do believe this is one of the hard parts of life. Um, like I said, my 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 worldview, because you asked about me, I feel like we're never alone. We always have we always have our creator, right? But that doesn't mean that we we don't always we're we're always connected with other people. Or if we are connected with other people, uh, we feel that connection. I actually um, believe that, and this isn't, this isn't, I don't often uh, go here in therapy as much because I don't necessarily have to, but, but this is a part of, of my worldview. A big part of life is done uh, alone, even when we're with people. We process within our own minds. We um, we see through our own eyes. It's very very uh, subjective, and and very from from the stance of um, where hello Leo. Yes. I apologize. How much of that did you receive? Because uh, I. <laughs> oh, you had a call. Um, yeah, I had my phone on. Um, do not disturb, and so I apologize about that. All good. I, went, I was, I was going into Leo. Going I know. In. I could, I could tell. <laughs> I, I had stepped back from the mic. I was like, oh, here we go. I was like, I was stretching. I was going <gasps> for the long. I was drinking water. Everything. Um, so you said, uh, uh, well, I said, my loneliness connection. Oh, you said that we're. Uh, we're not alone. Be uh, you said most of life. That's where you left off. Just if you could pick up from most of life is done alone. Okay. Uh, so most of life, I, my, my view is that most of life is done alone. 
And the reason I say that is we're operating subjectively from our own central processing unit. Um, I don't I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but my worldview is that ultimately none of us are alone because we have our creator, but we do do life uh, and with other people. And sometimes some of us uh, aren't always, we don't always feel that connection, even with our creator. We don't feel that connection. We don't feel that connection uh, with other people. So we feel very alone. And it's not from a positive standpoint. It feels like I'm I'm shrinking in this big thing called life and there's no one that sees or cares or hears, hears me. Um, a, part of, a part of this, I do believe in uh, I don't generally have to go here in therapy, uh, but if I do, then I do go here. I do believe that there there's a type of acceptance that, um, and this isn't very popular, but a type of acceptance that a portion of our life we will we will not be able to much of much of our lives actually we will not be able to share that with others because it's it's about the, the internal workings there's intimacy that allows other people to see in you that when you open up but you have to choose to open up and then you also have to have that space to open up so there's much of what we do within our own spaces our subjective ex- existence so if we can get a measure of acceptance that Part of your journey is a, um, a solitary or individual pursuit. Um, part of uh, sometimes you have to hunker down and live life and do things on your own. It won't feel like you're being punished, uh, cast aside, uh, rejected, or abandoned. It will feel like a, it's a portion of life. The other part is um, for those people who you know, they haven't gotten a chance to experience the, the measures of acceptance, love and, and appreciation, validation. And so they it's outside of just accepting that a portion of life is alone. They're actually genuinely experiencing loneliness is um, finding various forms of connectedness. Uh, even when it's just seeing your connectedness with a with a global understanding of things, uh, if you have spiritual beliefs, connecting with that the higher power, God, is like you know, need we need to be connected to something bigger and greater than ourselves. It's built into our everything to be to be connected. So have that have that acceptance that some part is is not going to be with other people, um, and then for the person that does need to reach out. Um, it's e- this part is easier said than done, and that's why it, it may be done with a support system, maybe with your counselor helping you um, and, or a social worker walking you through the processes, but connecting maybe with groups, start out small. Uh, and I say small because they're not necessarily in your life, but it's helping you to feel a part of some sort of collective. Um uh, and for some people, it's connecting with with others in the areas of thoughts, uh, ideas, understandings, um, looking for community in in the way that you view life. Hopefully, it's a it's a very um, generative way of viewing life, where where you're building and you're growing, um, and re- reaching out, reach out, reach out, reach out, reach out. The hard part is that some. Some reach out to those who they would hope would show them the love, acceptance, validation, and and help that they've always wanted. But maybe those people have shown that they either will not or cannot give that and provide that for them. Um, I would say as even maybe you feel the mourning associated with like not getting from these people, what they either said they would give you or you want them to give to you, continue to expand and understand, meaning expand your the reach um, and into support systems that actually are there for you. Um, so organizations, groups, uh, during this time of COVID, there are hotlines out there, again, it doesn't feel, con- it, it's not the same type of connection, but allowing yourself to go in the small steps. 
towards connection, connecting with who you are, your identity, um, and building that, maybe focusing uh, inward a little bit while you're reaching out as well, discovering what you what you like to do, um, what you uh, who you would like to be in this in this world, um, connecting spiritually, connecting with um, those who maybe unlikely, but who may have been reaching out, but you're like, no, you don't really want to help me giving those people a chance. So that, that's what I would speak. I would say to, to those struggling with feeling alone. I love that you, you talked about reaching out to the right people because, uh, and, 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 and being aware and accepting that the people that you're reaching out to that you feel like they should want to help you and they should have your best intentions, but they, they've proven that they haven't and mm-hmm. you keep, you keep forcing it in that direction instead of, you know, reaching out to other people and other groups and, and uh, uh, you know, just cause they're your family. Uh, it, it doesn't mean that, um, that they're the right person for you to reach out to. So, so it's to be open and, and aware of who are you reaching out to versus saying, you know, I can't connect with anybody. And, and it's like, recognize who you've been trying to connect with and expand that, that realm of connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leo, I Go ahead. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if I, there was something about the little eye, big eye that I wanted to expand on. Is it possible I can, I can share Absolutely. That? Absolutely. So, so you know how when you're typing now, not, not back in the day, but now, um, when you type I, there's always this autocorrect that won't allow you really to um, input a lowercase I because standing alone, it is always in, in, in um, grammar is supposed to be capitalized. It's not screaming or boasting about who it is by nature of the I standing alone. It is supposed to be capitalized. It is supposed to uh, expand and take up more space than its, than its, its smaller um, self. Right. It's not it's not big headed to stand in who you are and your identity. You can be fully who you are. If that's great, if that's somebody that's called to be before thousands of people and lead many people, or if that's great and it's somebody that's called to to mop the floors of the of the places where the people who if it's it, it's great it's a capital I regardless of who you are that identity deserves all space that it takes up because everything around it once it it decides to be who it is everything around it will shift to appropriately fit in alignment I just I just felt like I needed to to say that part. I'm so glad you, you shared that because uh, so many of us, you know, Kanye West has that song, My Presence is the Present. And yeah. it sounds so uh, uh, braggadocio, but, mm-hmm. but when we think about all the gifts, all the stories, all, all the, the strengths that we have, that when we show up, that in itself is the gift because we're, we're, so, we're bringing so many things in with us. Yes. Yes. Vision, backstory, mission, all these things that, that we've accumulated. You know, I'm 44. I, got, I, have, I have so many stories that are worth mm-hmm. more than any gift. I mean, there's nothing worse than somebody bringing a gift to your, to your event or your birthday. And then, but they, they didn't bring themselves. They okay. left themselves at the house. Wow. Yes. <laughs> so show up. <laughs> show, show up. up. Yes, anyone struggling with with just with the way that they see the world cuz I feel like a lot of times there's a lot of out we we are not supposed to become self-absorbed. That's not that's not what I'm purporting here. It's in order to to be able uh, to, to fully bring yourself into the space where others can benefit from you, you can give to others, uh, you can be and you can receive Building up the foundation of who who you are. That I, when you look at just the structure of the actual capital letter, it has a nice foundation. 
It has the middle part, the part that 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 can probably be a little vulnerable, right? And then the top that that covers all of that vulnerability. It spreads out, but it doesn't take up too much space. It's perfect in the space that it takes up. Yeah. Right now, so many people are. Uh, I mean, I say right now, but it's, it's always been a, a theme throughout time where uh, people reach periods in their life where they struggle to find hope. They feel hopeless. Mm-hmm. What for people, you know, I know you, you love working primarily with couples, but I, I'm sure that there are some individuals who come to you with a, a feeling of, of hopelessness and feeling like a burden. Do you, do you apply the same type of uh, outline for them? Is there, a, you know, in terms of finding their mission or is there a different strategy for? Nope. It's the same. It's the same because, um, you know, all relationships begin with the relationship with self. Um, my practice, I, I work with couples and individuals, couples that just have, I have, I have a therapeutic passion for in my personal life. My passion is for people to walk in purpose. If I'm having a regular conversation with you, we out at some event, I'm usually asking you, you know, we're talking about what you do and I'm at, you know, is that if you could do anything, what would it be? You know, so I'm, I'm always, I'm always that one taking you to that space where you like, man, I met some lady at the party and now I'm thinking about starting my, the business I always wanted to. Um, and so, so when I work with individuals, it's with the same, same framework as the couples. Um, yeah, same framework. I love it. Uh, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you feel like, uh, the listeners should hear people who are, are struggling in relationships, things that you see pop up, conversations that need to be had, uh, ways of reframing, a- anything that we left uh, off the table? I'll talk about contempt and resentment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I'm sad. I sat down now. I got popcorn. You know? Why? <laughs> It's so it's so tough to move forward in any kind of generative growth space um, and loving space when the person that you're looking at looks like your worst enemy because of something they did five years ago or um, a minute ago. If you're choosing to be there, choose to work. Can you say it one more time, please? If you're choosing to be there, choose to work. I, I guess I, I would boil I will boil it down to that, you know. When it, it's not it's not saying that the pain isn't real. It's not saying that what they actually. But if you want to choose to be there, then choose to get your, get your your hands dirty, roll up your sleeves, and and get the working together. If the both of you are choosing to be there, if you've experienced infidel- infidelity, but you're, you're both choosing to be there and you're not not just because you're scared to be alone and you have an attachment as opposed to you actually feel like this is a this is a a a a, a relationship that is to continue and to move forward in health. But you don't know how to get there. Be ready to do the work. Be ready to do the hard forgiving meaning you take the shackles off of yourself so that you can live in more freedom. And when you see that person, you don't see what they did to you every day. You get a chance to more and more and more see them as who they are outside of what they've done to you. Um, and, And it does, again, it is not saying don't attend to how you've been hurt. Definitely. That's a part of the work. Attend to it. There needs to be forgiveness. There needs to be restitution in some cases. Who knows? Do what y'all need to do. But if you're going to be there, do the work. Be willing to release the bitterness. Um, Be willing to work towards the intimacy again. Be willing to work towards the safety again. That's the best way we could close this out. Uh, Tyrese, I have one more question question for you and I ask this of all my guests um, because I always feel like there's one person listening in who may be on the precipice of ending their life. Before you kill yourself, what would you say to them? You matter and you're loved. You were created by someone who 
has loved you before the foundation of the earth and loves you even now. Tyrese McCoy, thank you so much. Plug all your things. Let the people know where they can find you. All right. So y'all can look me up on Psychology Today with Tyrus McCoy uh, on my website on uh, www.generateabundance.com. You can find me on Facebook. Just look up Tyrus McCoy at Generate Abundance. Um, on Instagram is generate underscore abundance. I have a podcast. <laughs> Yum. Amen. But y'all check out the first few um, recordings. I'm going to get back to it one of these days. Um, um, and uh, on Periscope, also, one, I'm gonna start back. I'm gonna be starting back Periscope as well. And that's Tyrus McCoy Generated Abundance. I don't know if y'all living that Periscope life, but if you are, hit me up. Oh, I just realized I've been mispronouncing your name this entire episode, and I I didn't even take time to ask you how to pronounce. I just assumed. I, I apologize so gravely. Yeah, it's definitely okay. I'm used to I'm used to Tyrese. Uh, so, uh, no, it's no and and Tyrus McCoy is, is such a, a more beautiful name. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you, listeners, for listening in. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help, for you reaching out uh, to not just one person, but a, but a group to to uh, to, to uh, something outside yourself, something bigger than yourself. Uh, call the one eight hundred suicide number. Call a- any of those numbers. There's a they're all listed in the show notes. Uh, do an online chat. There are uh, Zooms and, and all. There's no excuse, basically, is what I'm saying for you not to reach out to somebody. You got to do the work. You're, you chosen, you're still here, so you've chosen to be here. So you got to do the work. And, and the first step is in reaching out to a counselor, therapist, or a coach. You can go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching. Thank you for being here with us. Let's get to tomorrow together. Thank you so much, Tyrus. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. This is an awesome podcast. And we will talk to you soon.